This is a Stand with Lynette podcast. You have episode 56, The Irreplaceable Role of Women in God's Plan, with Adrian Growth. What would your life be like if you knew you could stand firmly on the covenant path, come what may? My name is Lynette Shepard, and I am here to help you do just that. If you are a Latter-day Saint woman with a desire to brighten your faith as the world grows darker, you are in the right place. Together, let's stand. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Stand with Lynette podcast. I'm your host, Lynette Shepard, and I'm so glad you're here. As always, we are wrapping up season one of the podcast with this interview today, and then I will have one more episode for you next week, and then we're going to take a summer break, and I will be back again in the fall. I'm going to spend the summer writing a book or trying to get this book written. I've been working on it for a while. I'm going to try to focus all of my attention on that in between dropping my daughter off for college and all of the crazy transitions that I have in my own life. So I will be back in the fall and there will be some fun new things going on, but I will have to leave that introduction for another time because we are going to focus today on an interview that I did with Adrienne Growth. She reached out to me and kind of told me a little bit about her story and her testimony of women in God's plan. And she's like, if you ever need help talking about women, the role of women in God's plan, please reach out to me. And I said, hey, can I interview you for the podcast? And so that's how this interview came about. And her story and what she learned from it is so incredible. She's been through some really hard things and come to some really good conclusions about women, about their role, about how that interacts with the role of men, about how we're both necessary. And it's so, so powerful. This topic has been a lot on my mind. I feel called to kind of move more in this direction of talking about womanhood and motherhood and the family. And Adrian does a perfect job of illustrating why this is important. So I cannot wait for you to hear her story. And without any further ado, my friends, let's get to this interview. Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome to the Stand with Lynette podcast. And I'm so excited to introduce you to my friend, Adrienne Growth, who is here to tell a little bit about her story. She's told me some about what has happened to her and it's an amazing story. And I cannot wait to dive in and hear what she has to say. So welcome to the podcast, Adrienne. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I love everything that you do. So. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I'm so glad you reached out to me because the story is perfect, I think, for this community. So can you just, to get started, just tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. Um, well, my name's Adrian. Um, like you said, I um, have an 11-year-old little girl and I have an 8-year-old little boy. And um, two years ago, I met my husband, my eternal companion, and I've been having um, the best time of my life, building my life with him. He is the most amazing person ever in the world. That's the best part of my life. So. The best part of your life and your story. That's awesome. And I love how you talk about your husband, but your life hasn't always been so smooth, right? We're going to dive into a little bit about your faith journey. So where do you want to start? Start wherever you'd like to start, Adrian. Okay. Sounds good. Um, uh, well, I grew up in the church, but left when I started college. 
I met my ex-husband young. He was a member, but not active. And I had a constant feeling from the spirit to get out of here now, but I ignored it and got married anyways. I thought that feeling would go away after I got married, but it never did. I wanted to listen to the spirit, but I didn't feel strong enough. It was a pretty heartbreaking situation and became more heartbreaking as time went on, but I didn't think I was hurting anyone but myself. I wasn't trying to have a baby. I learned early on that that was not a good idea, but one day went to the doctor and was completely surprised when I found out I was pregnant. I felt so guilty, guilty, like I had ruined my baby's life and mine and that neither of us had any chance now. In my mind, we were stuck and there was no way out. I sunk into the scariest and longest depression and felt like I was constantly wading through thick darkness that I was trying to fight off. It got so bad that at one point for the first time in years, I got on my knees to pray. I remember I was facing the closet door and starting my prayer, but then stopped in the middle of the prayer, feeling really silly, like there was no one there and like I was talking to a door. I thought if God was there, he, he wouldn't help me anyways because I had ignored him for so long. I got up from my knees and sat on my couch contemplating what this meant for me, which was nothing good. At that point, I remembered something my dad always used to say. He would say, when Satan tempts you the most, the greatest miracles are about to happen. I knew that this little girl I was carrying was a miracle. I remembered a spiritual experience I had when I was younger and got, got back on my knees. I told my Heavenly Father that I knew he was there and I knew what I did and that I, de I deserved the consequences. But then remember saying, but what did my little girl do to deserve this? Please help me for her. From there, I decided to start going back to church and would sneak in and out of sacrament meeting. I wanted to find answers, but I didn't want anyone noticing me because I didn't want to be judged. I walked in one Sunday and the bishop had me stand up to welcome me to the ward. While I was standing there, he said, the other day I was looking at you and I thought, how can we help her? So we said a ward prayer. I looked around and the people were looking at me and nodding their heads and smiling. Then the bishop went on. He pointed to me, then to my belly and said, I want you to know that you and that baby are loved. I love you. This congregation loves you. And most of all, your heavenly father loves you. And we are going to do everything we can to help you feel that until you can feel it for those for yourself. Those people were so amazing to me. They literally saved my life. At one point, I prayed and told my Savior that I knew what he wanted me to do, but didn't have the strength, and asked him to help me gain the strength. It took three years, and during that time, my Savior protected and provided for me and my children. It was such an interesting phenomenon being in a situation where it felt like my hands were tied to progress and help my children progress, and being in a situation that should lead to death, but knowing my Savior was there as my shield and was making a way for me. Eventually, I did leave. After I left, my next goal was to heal. At one point, I took a psychology class on the relationship between men and women and was so disappointed in this class. The material in this class focused on male and female similarities and left out a female difference in any real way. If a female difference was added, it was superficial. I had no desire to sit through a class and learn how to be a somebody instead of somebody's. I had already bought and lived the lie that men were important and I was not, that their nature, work, and contribution to society was important, and mine was not. 
I didn't need to learn how to earn my worth in society by being more like them. I had already lived this life and bought this lie. It didn't matter what stage of life I was in, whether I was single or married, and it didn't matter how I set up my life, whether I was a stay-at-home mom or a working mom. Buying this lie led to abuse, neglect, and to being used. I didn't want to be erased. I wanted to heal. I thought it was interesting that the material in this class was compiled by women. It was oriented toward women protecting themselves from men, and it seemed that motherhood was in the way of that pursuit. I was so discouraged by this class. I thought if I wasn't going to find healing in the study of behavior, then where would I find it? After I was done doing my homework, I picked up my Book of Mormon to do my scripture study for the night and opened to Jacob. Jacob 2.35 said, you have broken the hearts of your tender wives and lost the confidence of your children because of your bad examples before them and the sobbings of their hearts ascend up to God against you. And Jacob 2.32 said, And I will not suffer, saith the Lord of hosts, that the cries of the fair daughters of this people, which I have led out of the land of Jerusalem, shall come up unto me against the men of my people, saith the Lord of hosts. These women in the scriptures were amazing to me. They were hurt in probably every way women might be hurt today, but they didn't react the same way women react today. The women in the scriptures went to their God. It seemed like they knew that there was no power like his power, that ultimately they were his and their children were his, and that while earthly men might fail them, their savior never did, that the savior alone was their deliverer. I knew from my own experience that this was true. I wondered what they asked Heavenly Father when they prayed. Who am I as a daughter of God? What is my value to you in your plan? How am I supposed to protect myself, both emotionally and physically, from the people that are supposed to protect me? At least those were my questions. I remembered what my dad said about miracles and how fervently my Savior saved me when I turned to him in asking him to help my child. I thought of how my Savior protected and provided for us for years, how he made up for my weaknesses as a mom and filled the void left by my ex. Watching his strength against my weakness and his power against hopelessness was always amazing to me. I knew that my children were everything the Savior lived for, fought for, worked for, and loved. I knew that the life the Savior lived spoke to the sacredness of life and that he died for what I as a, as a woman am designed to hold. I also knew that my Savior didn't just save my children, though. He also saved me. That the spirit that was warning me to get out of here now was beckoning me to turn toward his way, a way that saw my nature as a daughter of God as deserving of being honored. I knew that it was impossible to value life and devalue a female nature designed to hold it. It was impossible to skip me and say my children were important, but my passion for them, drive to love them and want them, and sacrifice in developing them and work in building them was not important. I started realizing that developing the character to have a life in our hands and being worthy of it in a similar but smaller way as our lives are in the hands of the Savior was a giant part of this test. It was important for both men and women to develop this character. Our children are the primary mission field. They were the built-in means for human beings to forget ourselves and go to work and build identity by asking how we can help with what we have. The Savior's work was building people. It was the point. Simple truths that were once drowned out by lies that told me motherhood was nothing started becoming clear to me. In a society, things were not developed and built if people were not developed and built first, and human beings are society's most powerful source of potential good or evil. Peace and a civilized society had zero chance if people weren't built first in the home to some degree. 
While men play a valuable part in this, women are the only ones that can live for life till it lives for itself. And with that, the Savior trusted women to hold and primarily develop and build his most vulnerable and impressionable people to walk with them, guide them, and point them toward good. Another simple truth was that if the work of building people was not the most important work in society, then we probably had upside down motives. Morals were not subjective. They were directly directed toward the creation of life and this work. Because as women, we hold this work, it started becoming clear to me that morals were directed toward a female nature. I started realizing that while men hold the priesthood, as a woman, I was designed to hold the Savior's purpose. To my Savior, my work, sacrifice, contribution, and drive to ensure the survival of and build and develop my children was seen. It was not worth less. It was priceless. Erasing this drive and passion would erase God's work, passion, drive, character, and plan. I loved the stripling warriors. They were a success story that trusted their mothers knew it when they taught them and pointed them to Christ. And I loved Eve and her tree. On one side of her tree was good. In my mind, this represented the Savior in life. On the other side was evil. This represented Satan and death. I thought of all the ways human beings beat death or seek to project themselves as far away from it in day-to-day -day life by going to the doctor, working to put a roof over our heads, eating, looking both ways before we cross the street, working out our bodies and so on. I thought of all the ways we learn and grow in that pursuit, whether it's developing new medical advancements or, or new infrastructure. Then I started thinking of all the ways human beings beat death for their children. Their lives are completely dependent on them, on us to feed them, clean them, tend them, and so on. I started realizing that in, in order to learn, live, learn, and grow, we had to beat death, and that in order to love, we had to beat death for another person. It was impossible to learn to care about another life if we could not act on that caring by lifting it out of death. Love was a referendum on death and couldn't exist without it. Our church was right. This was the plan. We as women held that plan, the plan to bring bodies here to learn and grow. Eve fell knowing the Savior would come through for her and knowing this was the only way we could practice becoming like him. I loved the picture of Eve stepping on the snake and holding the baby toward the Savior. She was the heart that stood between believing her Savior would come through for her and believing in her posterity, hoping and believing that they would follow him. But she was also a leader. She knew her part in God's plan and had direct access to him and had her own unwavering relationship with him. I started realizing that submitting to men had nothing to do with abuse. It was submitting to protection, which ensured the survival of the human race. It was submitting to their mission. Their mission was to love their wives. Men stand between the world that often has evil motives and God's plan. This order promotes and enables God's plan by enabling the creation, growth, and development of life. As women, we look to our husbands with the whole family above his self, so we have the freedom to put our children and bodies designed to hold them above ourselves. I loved Captain Moroni. He made it very clear that they did not fight for anything selfish. They fought for their wives and their children. I often liken physical protection to the priesthood and spiritual protection. Who was it in the scriptures in Jacob that was standing between men that sought to devalue and degrade a female nature and the women pleading to God? It was the prophet. The priesthood stands between a world that is often evil and immoral and speaks for and represents the value of a female nature and then goes to work promoting the value of our nature, work, gifts, talents, and voice. 
Men stand between the world and God's plan, the plan that we as women hold. I knew this was true of my savior in my own life. In that bad situation, he protected, provided, shielded me and my children. He enabled me to learn and grow and build my gifts and talents and use my voice while also helping me, helping my children do the same. It was men and women working together in their roles that led to human progression and female-friendly body jobs that allowed me to act as a steward of my nature while using my gifts and talents. The sacrifices men and women make for their children is what we pass down from generation to generation. It is what we leave in this world. It is part of what is eternal. I learned that seeing the priesthood as oppressive was a sad misunderstanding of the savior and any power that's supposed to follow his likeness. I learned that as a woman, I deserved to be honored, but when the priesthood was used correctly, it deserved to be honored by me. That God made men and women different because when we worked together with those differences for a cause that is higher than ourselves, it drives the depths of love. I started to realize that I could back how I deserve to be treated with my Savior's faithfulness, power, work, love, and sacrifice. That there was a difference between his way and the world's way, and I could back how I deserve to be treated with his way. I truly knew from my own life that there was no power like his power, and that he kept his promises to his daughters, that when we fight and stick up for the sacredness and value of our nature, that he will not suffer our cries rise up against anyone that seeks to degrade it. The savior was the how I could protect myself and act on how I deserved to be treated, but that wasn't it. He made a way for me through the structure of this church and through every covenant we make as we reconcile to Christ. I started realizing that when both men and women first turn the savior, we automatically turn to the value of a female nature. We turn to the value of life, to his work and his plan. As we repent, we start trying to build the character to serve and help other people, a character that turns out that turns outward, which is great practice for service and sacrifice in the home. The covenants we make as we reconcile to Christ prepare us for that same faithfulness to God's children in our marriages as our Savior's faithfulness to us. Our covenants are a great way not only for us as women to build this character, but also to vet the character of our future spouse to make sure that if he puts God's most valuable creation in our arms, that he will be our hands. During this journey of healing, my testimony grew of the Book of Mormon and how relevant it was for the struggles we face today. I knew I had the most amazing and loving savior, but had a hard time believing people were good. I did not believe a good man that would honor my nature existed on earth. I thought I would have to wait until the next life. When I thought about marriage, I had terrible anxiety. In my mind, it led to death and oppression and was not, and I was not an uplifting person to talk about on this subject. But I started realizing that this was not the standard and that the only way society was going to dig ourselves out of the hole we had created for ourselves was to fight for God's standard. I knew I had to give God my broken heart and broken story and fight for his standard, even though I had bad experiences myself. I remembered the mobs that would destroy the temple in church history. How heartbreaking, but the people still built their temples back up. Satan was tearing down the family. He tore down mine. It was heartbreaking, but I had a choice to stay angry and hopeless or build it back up. After seven years of being a single mom with two kids, my husband drove up to my house in his truck. He was 36 and had been single his whole life, went to church and kept his covenants and loved his mission. 
He was in the Army, flew Blackhawks. And at one point, I remember seeing a picture with his little nephews and a saying above it that said, we don't fight because we hate what is in front of us, but because we love what's behind us. I told him my testimony of being a woman in this church, and he loved it, and my story. I was still terrified to date him or get married. He told me he was a good guy and would prove it to me. The whole time dating in the first year we were married, he continued to prove to me in words and through how he acted that he was a good guy. At first, I only trusted the spirit that led me to him. But as time went on, I started trusting him. My husband is my testimony that strong families can still exist today and that they are tended to exist and just get stronger until the Savior comes. He is my testimony that a Savior does what a Savior does, and that is build people, marriages, families, and communities from the ashes. He is my testimony that when we give our Savior our broken hearts and broken stories and fight for his standard, that like a flood, mercy reigns. Okay, like, I don't even know where to start. I feel like you just need to stand up and at the pulpit at a women's conference and just like, preach. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. Your story's so good. Um, It's good. Like, it's hard, right? You, You went through a lot of hard things. But I love how you, through the Savior, have taken that story. And like you said, the Savior builds beauty from ashes. And I feel like I see that in in you and your story and what you've learned. And I feel like your testimony of women and women's role and women's, you know, importance in God's plan and in God's church. I wish I could just like package that up and hand it to every woman. I feel like this is like so key. And you gained it through like in the fire, right? Through the ashes yes, you gained. Definitely that. through the fire. Yeah, but it's amazing. Let me ask you this, like through all of this, you've gained this amazing testimony of not only the Savior, but the Book of Mormon and the family, even though you had like such a hard experience with all of that. And you talked about how we need to fight for God's standards. So what would you tell somebody who maybe had a difficult experience, maybe like yours, and is struggling in that place of not really believing in all of this ideal? Well, I think I noticed this a lot in in a whole bunch of different situations, like uh, an eternal marriage uh, didn't work, and and then somebody might leave the church. They might say that that you know they they did everything right, and it and it didn't work out for them. Or I've also listened to moms, you know, where I would say that I hold the Savior's purpose that would get very angry by that and say that was very unhealthy, that they threw their everything into their children and and their children weren't grateful for it and didn't live the best lives. And they were they were so heartbroken by it. And um, I think it's just so important that we don't give up on the Savior. I think it's just so important that he's the first being we live for, and that when we're filled by him, we can still have joy in whatever life brings. And that it's important to understand that if families aren't strong, it's going to affect society. And that even though things were hard for us, if we fight for his standard, we are digging ourselves, like I said, out of out of that hole. And it takes a lot to put, put our, our broken hearts aside and, and to do that. But I know that Heavenly Father, when we don't have hardened hearts toward him, when we don't give up on him, I know that he does raise our stories from the ashes and they're beautiful and they're amazing. And he uses them as a testimony to the world that he wins and that things work out for the best and, and that love will win and that he has love. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Yes, we can't stop talking about the ideal just because 
people don't have the ideal. And I think some, that's kind of like the message that I hear a lot of times, like on social media or, you know, just like in the world at, at large that we can't talk about this because then it will make people like feel bad that they can't have that. But I feel like if we don't talk about it, we don't have anything to work toward. He's a God of miracles. He's a God of miracles. Yes. And sometimes those miracles don't come like right now. You know, I mean, you are in a situation where you struggled for a long time to get to the point where you are now, you know, and so sometimes it's not like he's going to swoop in and like save us from all the heartache, but we still, I think, need to work, like talk about the ideal and, and hold that ideal and like believe in that ideal. I think some people have lost belief in that ideal. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that there is, I think in every way, shape and form, we can see how maybe maybe hurt or anger is or that it didn't work out the way we wanted it to is what what creates people giving up com completely and it's important not to give up on the family yeah absolutely amen to all the things that you said so i like took a few notes about what you said so maybe we can like i can ask you a couple questions based on okay. based on that um and like there's so many good one-liners that you said but i love how you talked about how um that when we submit to men it's not to submit to their like power it's to submit to their protection and like how you described that so like how did you come to that conclusion what led you to that conclusion based yeah. on like you've had hard experiences with men it sounds like so how did you come to that um yeah it's not submitting to abuse or neglect or or being controlled it's not submitting to to any of those things or to being told what to do it's not um i came to that conclusion because in the darkest time of my life whenever I felt like there was unrighteous dominion in my home and where I saw how that led to, um, it led to heartbreaking things. It led to not being able to progress for, for me and my children. Um, my savior was there and my savior was the one that was protecting us. He was the one that was providing us. He was making a way for us to learn and grow. He was the one making a way for me to to use my voice and to learn how to back how I deserved to be treated with his power and with his way because his way is distinctly different from the world and I think it's important that we don't conflate those two things and that we seek his way it's completely different from the world and so whenever I had that testimony of my savior I knew that the world's way was not my savior's way and that how the world interpreted that through whatever glasses they interpreted it through or lens they they interpreted it through that that it wasn't his way i knew what he did for me and i knew um at that time i remember longing to look to my ex to put the whole family above himself so i had the freedom to put my children above myself i just um, I felt like it was my nature and that was attacked. I felt like it was motherhood that was constantly attacked. And, um, and I just, uh, whenever I read that scripture, I, I knew that if I knew from my own experience that that growth and development comes from men standing between a world and, and putting you above themselves, not putting you under themselves and not making themselves more important. It was, um, it was making what you hold priceless like it was priceless to the savior yes 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 okay and you also said that priesthood values a female nature like when it's being used 
in the way that it meant like priesthood values of female nature and that it deserves to be honored by women like do you want to explain like that a little bit because i think that's so key i think a lot of people don't understand this point and i think it's so important that we do i think a lot of times when the pre when we perceive number one the power of god if this if the priesthood is used correctly it's not the power of god if it's used to degrade or control or abuse, it's not the power of God. It's not the priesthood. That, that's something else. The priesthood is used to to build up women, to um, and to promote their value and and their their role in God's plan. And um, I think a lot of times when women, I think there's so much manipulation around the relationship between men and women in our world. When, um, if women believe that their nature is worth less, they'll try to say, well, the only way I can make it as, you know, worth as much as, as, um, as a guy is to have what they have and to do what they do and to have the priesthood and, um, the, or the only way I can protect myself from unrighteous dominion is to have the priesthood or, um, but I think when we understand our own power and the savior's way. And how his power is is love. Um, I think we're no longer threatened, and we 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 recognize that we don't necessarily need those keys. We don't need those power because I just always think if we were in heaven and have and heavenly Father said, okay, you are going to help our our littles people learn, grow, develop. You're going to carry them. You know, um, how do you want this plan to go? I think we as women would have put the priesthood in its spot. If he just asked us as women, I think he, we would have put it where it belonged to stand between the world and stand between the value of what we hold. If we knew the savior and how much he loved what we're designed to hold and us. And, um, I think that deserves to be honored. And I think that it's something that we're not threatened by whenever we know who we are and we know our own value and our own part in God's plan. And we know our own access to God's power and that, and I think that the difference between men and women, we start realizing that working together um, within those differences is what drives the depths of love. And, and we wouldn't want to erase those differences. Okay. Like literally chills, like chills. That's so, that's so good. Like I just hear like the power behind your words and I just like, yes 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 to everything to everything that you said but what would you say to the women who aren't quite there yet who don't see this like they don't see this picture they don't see their power they don't understand how they fit in with this priesthood like what would you tell them how did you kind of come to that understanding where did you start I didn't understand it. And I got myself into a terrible situation. And while I understand that not every woman doesn't understand everything, you know, um, about that there is about their, their nature, God's plan gets themselves into a terrible situation. But I learned digging my way out. And I learned digging my way out through the Book of Mormon. We, we are in a church where there was a boy that got on his knees and prayed. And um, he read a scripture that said, God giveth liberally and upbraideth not. And I know that when we trust in the Savior's words and don't get angry by them, like the whole submitting to men thing, if we look at that and we get angry and we're like, oh, well, I'm more loving than God. I cannot love God. You know, um, those words aren't true. I'm going to throw those words out. Um, 
if we don't get angry, if we work things through in our mind, and if we believe that God giveth liberally and upbraideth not, and that we are graven in the palms of his hands, and um, that everything he does is for our well-being, and that that we are his daughters, and that he loves us, um, I think we will start to recognize whatever questions we have in our own lives, that he does give us the answers. And we can, the beauty about this church is, is we can start developing our own testimonies that he giveth liberally and upbraideth not. And, um, and that, yes, the restoration was then, but it's renewed over and over and over again in our hearts whenever he answers our own personal questions for our life. And, and we gain that testimony um, throughout the generations for, for ourselves, that it's all here. Yeah, line upon line, he giveth liberally. I think we forget that sometimes. Or maybe he giveth yeah. liberally to someone else, but not to me. You know, like yeah. I, I can't hear his voice. And so, yeah. yes, it is important. I agree with you to remember, to remember all of that. Okay, I have one more question from what you said in your story, and then we'll get to our final question that I ask all of my guests. But my my question is, you talked about how Eve was a leader and she had direct access to God. How do you see that relating to you personally and to other women? I think sometimes whenever we want to be loved by the world or when relationships come first, I think it's easy to follow what the world wants us to believe, to, to listen to their voices first and, to, and for them to decide our value and for us to buy that. And I think that sometimes women listen to how men value whether they value or don't value women and they buy it and they, and they try to work to, to earn it. And I think when we have our own relationship with the savior, we stop following the voices of the world and we follow the savior. And when we follow the savior, he, he comes first and we can be leaders in defending how we deserve to be treated and deserve defending the value of our nature. And, um, and our part in God's plan. And he, and with that direct access to him, he's the one that makes a way for us and protects and provides for us. And he's the one that helps us build those families back up and put back into order what, how that order should be. I am inspired. I'm riled up. I'm like, yes, it's amazing to be a woman in this church. We can't lose sight of that. You know, like there's so much to be thankful for and power that we have access to and how we can live up to that divinity that's within us. And I have felt that so much from you today. So thank you for being willing to come and share your story. And I have one final question that I ask all of my guests, and it is what does standing with the Savior mean to you? Um, it means that through the atonement and because of the atonement, I can learn how to every day um, live for the God that lived for me and learn how to love like the God that loves me and um, to, if necessary, be alone for the God that was alone for me. Oh, I love that. That last part caught me a little by surprise, but I that's so true. Yeah, all of that. He suffered for us. He was alone for us. We can be alone for him if that is part of our story. So thank you so much, Adrian. Like, again, I feel so inspired and just grateful that 
I was able to hear your story and thanks for being willing to share it with all of our podcast audience. I know they're going to be as inspired as I am. And I literally think like we need to have a conference and Adrian needs to be standing at the microphone. <laughs> You're awesome. <laughs> so, thank Thanks you so much for having me on. I loved it. All right, my friends, isn't Adrian amazing? I hope you were as inspired by her story and what she has learned from it and shared with us today. I hope you were as inspired as I was because literally I just am so happy to be a woman in this church. And I wish every woman in God's kingdom understood what Adrian understands and shares. So I hope you learned something from it or had your testimony strengthened in some way. And I'm just grateful that you are here, my friends. And if you are here and if this podcast has helped you at all in your life, if you haven't already left a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, would you mind doing that? That really helps me out. It helps get the word out about this podcast. It helps people know what they're getting into when they find it and decide if it's worth spending 20 or 30 or 40 minutes listening to it. Those those reviews are priceless. So if you wouldn't mind, that would be super helpful for me. And my friends, I will be back here again next week with the final show before our summer break before we come back with season two in the fall. So I will see you then. Thanks for being here. Thank you for spending a few minutes with me today. If you are ready to dive in deeper and join the stand movement, find me on Instagram at Lynette Shepard. That's two N's, two P's and an A-R-D or at LynetteShepard.com. If you like what you heard today, please consider sharing the show with a friend or leaving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. That works wonders in helping us to find the people that we can help. Thank you again. And remember, you were born to stand. See you next time.